Hi everyone, and welcome to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm your DJ and host, Sam Wilson Jr., as I bring you the history of black music, gospel, jazz, blues, old school classic soul, old school hip hop, today's hip hop and R&B, Caribbean, Latin, Afrobeat, Afro-Latina, Blue-Eyed Soul, Disco, Go-Go, Line Dances, and The Lost 45s. So come with me as I take you on a trip to the history of Black music, right now on the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. and this is the Black Soul Music Experience. In case you may not know, I come from my late father's lineage. My late father's name was Samuel Wilson Sr. and his father, my late paternal grandfather's name was James Walter Wilson. And yes, he is a Middleton and Wilson representing a Tuskegee Airman from the Middleton family, as well as my cousin, Mary McLeod Bethune, representing the Wilson Dix family. Now, on this episode, I had a pleasure to meet my paternal cousin. And yes, I met her back on the post-Thanksgiving weekend of 2007. And I was visiting my late cousin, the late Connie Wilson Collins, and her daughter, Tony Lynn, and baby Connie, and Connie's husband, Alfonso, in New Britain, Connecticut. And yes, I got a chance to meet cousin Mary Ann Jackson. Now, as I said on this episode, I'm going to be interviewing this lady, and I didn't know that she was a jazz singer. When I bumped onto my Facebook, I saw her name. So let me introduce to you this lady. She is a jazz singer. She is a host of her own radio show, Habaka Music. And yes, she has her own podcast. So without further ado, I'm here to bring you my guest on the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast, my paternal cousin representing the Wilson Dix family. Her name is Habaka. Welcome to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. And on this episode, I have a very special guest that I'm going to introduce to you. For those of you who may not know, I come from my late father's side of the family, from the lineage that is, that represents the ministry, the media, education, and politics. And I'm very delighted to have with me a very special guest who is my cousin representing the Wilson Dix family. She is a jazz singer, and I'm going to ask her what she has been doing after she's been traveling. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I want to welcome you, my paternal cousin, Miss Constance Foster, better known as Habaka. Hey cousin, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you, cousin? It's so nice to be invited to your podcast. Yes, it's very nice to hear from you. As you know, I've been struggling to getting guests 
couple of my podcasts since 2021, but now I finally got a chance to reach out to you. As I said, I do come from a lineage that represents everything who make contributions to this country. Well, you know what? That is why we are related. <laughs> because we have the same lineage and we come from a line of extraordinary family members. Yes, indeed. So I remember that I, uh, I think I met you back in 2007. You and your mother came up went to see our cousin Connie and her and her daughter Tony Lynn and granddaughter baby Connie and her husband Alfonso at the time. So I think we have something in common. Do you agree? I certainly do agree. I certainly do agree. So as I said, welcome to my podcast. It's glad to have you. So it's always I always have to ask you um, where are you born? Are you from the West Coast or you're from the East Coast? I am actually, I was born on Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> wow, Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. Because I have, I have a cousin that lives in Tennessee. She represents the uh, Middleton family, but she's originally from Raleigh, North Carolina, and she had moved to Tennessee. You know, every time, every time I think about Nashville, Tennessee, I think about country music. That's right. That's that's right. That is the capital, the home of country music. And when you mention Nashville, Tennessee, that is what everyone thinks about, I believe. And um, I was like, well, you know, I'm not a country singer. However, I got the music, honestly. <laughs> Well, that's very nice to hear. So speaking of that, where did you get started singing? Did you started singing in the church or it just came naturally? Well, surprisingly, I actually started singing in junior high school. And I was singing in the school choir, the chorus, and our teacher I still remember her to this day. She was very uh, enthusiastic about her work being a chorus teacher. And um, I was singing in the chorus. And she kept telling me that I was going to be an important vocalist one day. And I kept saying, no, no, Miss Crochier, not me. I just like singing in the background. <laughs> because I actually studied dancing. I was a dancer and I studied dancing for 16 years. I actually thought I was going to be a professional dancer. Yes, I was going to mention, uh, you just mentioned high school and I think you went to Bloomfield High School. Now, what year did you graduate from Bloomfield High School? Well, cause you know what? I am not telling you what year I graduated from Bloomfield High. <laughs> I thought you would find that funny. Well, you know, I am a woman. We don't like to talk about those sort of things. And, you know, people will just have to know that, yes, I am a Bloomfield Warhawk, and we had the best um, sports team, basketball, 
I was a cheerleader all through junior high and high school, and I loved living and growing up in Bloomfield, Connecticut. Now, speaking of Bloomfield, Connecticut, um, I see that you went to the University of Connecticut, or UConn. So while you was at college um, at the University of Connecticut, or UConn, they would, would say, what was your major at the University of Connecticut? Business. Have business communication major. Oh, so so as you can see that I see that you're in the music business and there's a lot of, you know, major that about being in business. I think about my late cousin Earl Middleton, who was a Tuskegee Airman. And then after he was discharged from there, he went working for the barbershop, cutting hair. And after all the money he had saved up and he formed his own business, and that was real estate. So I know getting into business is, is really good, but at the same time, you have to know your P's and Q's. Do you agree? I certainly do agree. And that is so important, especially in the music industry. Uh, it can be very, very tricky uh, if you don't know the business aspect of it. And um, which is a lot of, unfortunately, that is the case for a lot of artists because they're just interested in performing. <laughs> they they don't care about the business part, but um, once they get older or whatever, and if they make a few mis big mistakes, then that's when they realize how important it is. You know, I'm very glad that you brought that up because I just recently did an episode on La Face Records that was during the last season uh, in June during Black Music Month. I'm sure you recognize two of the artists, TLC and Tony Braxton. They both filed for bankruptcy and they have problems, you know, with the business, especially if you're making millions of records, you know, that sold over a million copies and still be broke. And then I recognize some of the other artists that we knew from either from the 50s or 60s when they at a record company that went out of business and then you have all of those LPs or masters that are being sold to other companies. That's, that's very important at the same time, as you mentioned earlier, you have to know your P's and Q's. Otherwise you'll end up paying everything, whether it's, you know, protecting for bankruptcy or, you know, not getting the creative control that you wanted it. And, you know, that's that's what happened to Prince. That's what happened to Dr. Dre and Michael Jackson and so many others. And and just like you said, you know, you have to know your business. And I'm trying to get in touch with one of my former CBS co-workers. She worked in law and hopefully hoping <laughs> somewhere down the line, we, I'm trying to do a topic on for those who want to get into the music business but you got to know how the business is. When you sign contracts with record companies, you have to look at the dotted line. Otherwise, you just end up paying the penalty. That is exactly right. And 
when you come across those contracts, as you mentioned, you definitely, before you sign on that dotted line, you need to have a music lawyer uh, look at that document to let you know if it's okay or not okay to sign that, or if you need to make a few adjustments and changes on the contract as well. And as you mentioned, all of those great artists, they learned from their mistakes. Some of them learned and some of them didn't. You know, you mentioned uh, Tony Braxton. I remember an interview um, with her, I believe it was with Oprah. And Oprah was, like you said, she was just astounded that she just couldn't believe that uh, Tony Braxton uh, was bankrupt. And she kept, you know, asking her, why? How did this happen? And um, I remember hearing Tony Braxton say that she actually is just not a good, she doesn't, she's not good at managing her money. And also, of course, she made some uh, mistakes signing, but she also said she went bankrupt and she went bankrupt more than one time. Yes, that is true. And, you know, not only that, you know, you got to go to these other issues like your health, you know, health yeah. insurance and things like that. That is very important. So when you sign everything, you got to make sure you got to have those health benefits and medical benefits and things like that, especially when you're traveling on the road, depending on if you're going from state to state or if you're going overseas. That is very important. You agree with that? I do agree with that. And I learned a lot from my father, Melvin Jackson, who, you know, he played with B.B. King for more than uh, 20 plus years and with Bobby Blue Bland and Johnny Taylor. And I must say that he knew his business as far as you know being a musician and what was he did everything he, he knew everything to do correctly and my grandfather as well was a promoter and a pianist and so I did learn quite a bit from my dad listening to him having conversations with him and B.B. Uh, King was very 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 good to his musicians they all had insurance and they were always covered. And I mean, he was really good to his musicians. Now, I found that you were a winner at the Black Music Award for Best Jazz Performer. And I see that you like a four octave international vocalist. Um, share that with me uh, more on that. Yes, I won the Black Music Award in 2019 for Best Female Jazz Performer in Las Vegas. And I was really, really, I mean, honestly, I was literally blown away because at the time I was touring in Italy and I didn't really know that I had been nominated. And I was on my way back home when someone reached out to me and showed me that I had been nominated for this for this uh, award. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I was like, well, I'm on my way back home, and hopefully I'll get back in time. 
And um, I had been nominated because also I had been performing uh, with a residency here in Las Vegas, out at Lake Las Vegas. And I was uh, performing out there as a residency. I actually uh, stayed there for three years and uh, going back and forth as well to Italy. So it was an honor for me to win. And I was also nominated again um, the, the next year. I didn't win, but I was nominated. So I'm actually twice nominated, a winner and twice nominated. Well, congratulations on your accolades, and I see that you, you're doing pretty well. Now tell me, who were your favorite musicians growing up? Oh, wow. I had so many favorite musicians growing up, um, also because my mom was a jazz vocalist. And so growing up in my household, music was always playing, and she always would have me to write out her lyrics uh, for the songs that she was performing. So I was always listening to Sarah Vaughn and Ella Fitzgerald and Lena Horne, Nancy Wilson, um, the Isley Brothers. Uh, I mean, we just had a plethora of music just being played in the house all the time. And even at Christmas time, she would always have all those Christmas uh, music of uh, the Four Tops and everyone like that. And it was just absolutely wonderful. And if I must say so myself, growing up in that era, we had really, really good music and really uh, great music, great musicians. And I'm just really grateful that I grew up in an era to know really good music. And um, so I believe that's actually how I uh, acquired my taste for jazz and um, blues. I'm not, I wasn't really into blues. I liked it, even though my father was a blues man, but I was more of a jazz uh, vocalist and uh, into jazz because, like I said, my mother was a jazz vocalist. And as I got older, I started listening to Carmen Lundy and Carmen McRae and, uh, Cassandra Wilson, all of those types of vocalists. I love really, really uh, a, a different um, different textures and voices and tones, and uh, it just became a part of me. Actually, now uh, were your were your family members who like jazz collectors? Because every time I visit my cousins in D.C. One of my cousins had like a huge jazz collection and like my late mom, um, her boyfriend at the time after my parents were divorced and after my older sister had passed away, we had like a whole genre of, of black music. You know, my late mother had a couple of jazz albums and the rest of it was old soul LPs. You know, it's Aretha Franklin and Roberta Flack and Ray Charles. And uh, also, and uh, you know, Confunction, <laughs> um, the Soul, uh, Barry White, you know, Ashford and Simpson. Oh my goodness! I grew up with so much 
great music that, you know, most times when people ask me who is my favorite, I don't really have a favorite because I, I love so many, you know, um, the Ohio players um, were just incredible. Of course, the, the Godfather of Soul, James Brown, you know, um, just so, so many. Tina Marie and uh, Rick James, uh, just, I could just go on and on and on, actually. Now, you mentioned earlier you were into songwriting. Were you were doing that when you was younger? I really wasn't into it when I was younger. Um, I guess what you could say is I really uh, enjoy reading and I studied uh, creative writing. And so I was, um, at that time, I was writing a lot of poems and I love poetry. And um, I believe that's where my writing came from, uh, being able to write a few songs because um, I don't really... When I'm writing a song, I'm more of a lyricist because when I'm writing a song, I don't really hear the music. But if someone gives me an instrumental piece, I can put words to the instrumental piece. You know, every time I hear the words lyrics or anything, I would not know what that really means. Because every time I look at the credits, I would see that words and lyrics and then song written. So... What is the difference between like songwriting and lyrics? Well, that is exact. That's a very good question, and that is exactly what I said. As the the lyrics is sometimes written by another person, where they only write the words. They didn't do have anything to do with writing the music or coming up with the melody of the song or anything, and they were given the music part of it, the the melody where they listened to it and they were able to write the words to fit into the music. And so that's why sometimes you'll see, like you just mentioned, pointed out someone's name where they wrote the lyrics and then another person's name where they wrote the, where they were getting uh, royalties for the music. (laughs) So it's like a 50, 50 the royalties they would split that 50 50 well I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because still up to this date i did not know what that word meant because every time i look at the 45 lp or um you know when i open up the lp i would look inside the sleeve and i look at all the information i would see who the song was written by words and lyrics and, and and things like that. And every time when I look at the Grammy Awards, they would have all of the the names that for those that didn't see it on the pre-telecast, there would be like winners for best original song or best songwriter or best lyrics, you know, or best recording engineers and things like that. So once I look at it, I said, like, oh, these are some of the people behind the scenes that did all of the work. Who are making it happen. <laughs> and they're making a lot of money, too. <laughs> yes, that is true. So every time I look at the awards show, I said, oh, okay, I, I know. Because when I look at the 45, and I once worked at WBOX because, like, every April, 
they will have a sheet from BMI or ASCAP. You know, I would give that to one of the the host because I was the technical director of WVOX up in New Rochelle back in the mid nineties. So that was my weekend shift. So they would have, they would, I would give them, you know, write down the name of the song and who was the songwriter because they didn't know, you know, who was the songwriter. So when I look at everything, I look at the name of the song and that will look at the songwriter in parentheses then I would look at the artist. So I said, oh, now I figure it out. Because like I said earlier, when I look at the Grammys, then I would see who written the song, um, who did the lyrics and things like that. So still up to this date, I still look at everything. I will look at the name of the song. I would look at those who have written the song and I will look at the person who performed the song, who was a producer, who recorded it at, whether it's here in the United States or the UK or somewhere overseas, now I now I get to know about all the information that some other DJs may not know. So when I did um, two seasons of the first two seasons of music, then I would let the audience know who was the name of the singer who sung that song and what was taken from the LP and what record label they were on, and who was the producer who wrote it. And I would tell the audience how long the song stayed on Billboard charts, and did the song receive a gold or a platinum? Did the album itself receive a gold or a platinum or a double platinum or a triple platinum? Now you see today, it's all diamond platinum or uh, you know 15 quadruple platinum. And I would tell the audience that they performed the song on American Bandstand or Soul Train or the Midnight Special or Saturday Night Live or Solid Gold or that they performed it on the American Music Awards or the Grammys or the Soul Train Music Awards or did they perform it on, on MTV or, or, or BET. You know, I would let them know the audience of you know who who have performed everything and that's very important to a consumer that a lot of times people don't know that information and it's very educational i like that you did that because um as you said you know there's a lot of components and a lot of different moving parts in the music so there's sometimes there's a whole there's a lot of people involved in that one song Yes, that is true. So as a consumer, I always look at the artists, what record label they were on and, and everything. Because sometimes we don't even look at it or don't pay any close attention. We just know the person who, who sung the song, but don't know what record label they were on. So as a consumer, I look at everything and I write everything down and who's distributed and, and things like that and so on good and I really I myself love to I still would prefer to have a CD in hand or a vinyl in hand to look at like you said the information I I prefer having it in my hand as opposed to just pulling it up on the website you know because now they're trying to make all of those things obsolete where you know they're not even putting 
a CD player in in the new cars anymore. You know, everything is digital. But I prefer having the music and the the you know the joy. The other joy of it was was seeing all the photographs and being able to read the you know the pamphlet. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is so true. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back and we'll chat with more with my paternal cousin, Constance Foster, better known as Habaka. You're listening to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr., and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to my music podcast, the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast, where I bring you the history of black music gospel, jazz, blues, old school classic soul, old school hip hop, today's hip hop and R&B, Caribbean, Latin, Afrobeat, Afro-Latina, blue-eyed soul, disco, go-go, line dances, and the lost 45s. This year, it's going to be different, where I'm going to be doing all the talking and I'll be bringing you more artist profile birthdays. And I finally got some special guests to be on my podcast. So in order for me to continue, then I need your help. Please subscribe. Go to anchor.fm forward slash Samuel Wilson Jr. forward slash subscribe. And please support my podcast. Go to anchor.fm forward slash Samuel Dash Wilson Jr. forward slash support. And keep listening to the Black Soul Music Experience podcast every Tuesdays, available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for your support. Welcome back to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr., and I'm here chatting with my paternal cousin representing the Wilson Dix family, Miss Constance Foster, better known as Habaka. Now, um, I'm here to another question I wanted to ask you, and I was looking at your resume. Now, you were a vice president of radio at T-Rex Radio, T-Rex. Um, can you share that with me, how did that uh, thing came up? while you was being in charge of that T-Rex radio as being vice president in the radio department? Well, certainly. It's actually, I still am vice president of T-Rex Radio T-Rex, and they are, they are out of Montreal, Canada. And it's really interesting, you know, we just never know what God has in store for us. And, um, I actually met the CEO on Facebook, and I had um, released a single entitled Love is Never Lost, and he discovered that song on the first listen. It's called First Listen from out of the, what is that, Soul? It's soul, soul Tracks, I believe, Soul Tracks, First Listen. And they had that single on there, and they had a review as well. And 
Michael K. Emile, who is the CEO of T-Rex Radio T-Rex in Canada, he made a comment on the song saying that that was definitely verve material. And so he reached out to me and we had a conversation. And then at the time I, I was doing radio as well. Uh, I had a radio show that was out of Connecticut from um, Power Music Radio out of Connecticut. And I had a radio show going on with them. And so he interviewed me. And then he found out after that I was also doing radio. And then he reached out to me again and asked me if I would like to have a radio show, do a radio show on T-Rex Radio. So I do have a T-Rex Radio. I do have a radio show on T-Rex Radio. And it's called Habakkuk's Beehive. And um, I started doing that. And then after about a year and a half, his vice president became ill. And he reached out to me and asked me if I would step into the position of being vice president because he loved my, my attitude, my music, and how I carried myself. And that is actually how it all came about. And I was totally not expecting it. And I've been doing it now for the last year, uh, year and a half. And I'm absolutely loving it. And I love doing radio. And um, it's just a lot of fun. I love music. I love good music. And, you know, of course, getting um, also getting the opportunity to share independent artists as well as signed artists and so it's a great opportunity and to uh, let people learn about people who they've never heard before as well now you did mention montreal canada and i was up there back in 2004 with my church members we went to the montreal jazz festival and it was my first time going to canada and uh, i got a chance to see some of the festivals and the activities around there. So I even took pictures of some of the jazz artists that performed up there in Montreal, Canada. Now, I didn't hang around with some of my church members. I was just floating around and see what was the activities. You know, they had some jazz clubs. There was some dancing nightclubs that I went to. Now, the one that I went to Saturday night, it was some small jazz club. And I got a chance to see some of the major artists. Um, Saturday night, I got a chance to see jazz musician Elaine Elias. And then on Sunday, I went to see the late Jerry Allen. Now, those jazz performers, I went there on, on, that, on that weekend. So Saturday night, I went to see Elaine Elias. And then after that, I was just sneaking out and I was went to some nightclub and I didn't get back to the hotel until like 12 midnight or 1 a.m. in the morning. And then on that Sunday, I went to see Jerry Allen. And then after that, I saw the stage that we were fixing up. You know, there was the Motown's house band, the Funk Brothers. So they were there, you know, they, I saw them that afternoon rehearsing, you know, preparing for that Sunday night. So we, I was there up there until we left the, uh, the hotel on July the 5th. And this was 2004, July 
July, the 4th of July was on a Sunday. So we left around Monday. So we came back home. So when I got a chance to take pictures, uh, you know, I was blown away. I got a chance to see all of the artists in the pictures that performed at the jazz festival. So that was really refreshing and um, everything. So I, I, I always hear about that. The Montreal Jazz Festival. I hear that when I'm watching PBS, when I'm seeing all the artists performing, and everything was all good. Yes, and you know, Canada is really, really big on the music uh, industry, the music sector. They really are into jazz and the really, it's amazing. And like I said, I've, I've been to Montreal before, but not as an adult. I When I was there, I was a little girl and I actually lived in Quebec for about a year while my mom was touring. And um, so I was just, like I said, I was just so elated that uh, I was approached to become a part of T-Rex Radio T-Rex. And I'm enjoying every minute of it, every minute of it. It's, it's a lot of fun and, you know, every, all of the DJs, they have more than 32 DJs uh, who are uh, radio presenters who are doing their music and just, you know, spreading the love. That's what I call it, spreading the love. <laughs> now, how did you came up with the name Habaka? Is it like an African name or an Arabic name? So every time I look at something, I say Habaka. I have to ask you that. How did you come up with the name Habaka? Well, it's funny that you would ask me that question cause, because um, a lot of people ask me that question. How did I come up with the name Habaka? And actually, the name Habaka, it act I actually originated that name from the Bible. And um, it came out of the book of Habakkuk. Um, and it's a very small chapter in the Bible. It's only four chapters. And uh, it came uh, in a time in my life when I was living overseas. And I was really, really depressed and going through some things. And I opened up the Bible to the book of uh, to the book of Habakkuk. <laughs> and it literally changed my life that day. Uh, and it let me know that I didn't ever, ever, ever have to worry about anything. All I have to do is just continuously put my trust in the Lord and know that he has everything at hand. And so I, uh, that's how I came up with the name. And then after doing more research as well, I also, um, found out that uh, Habakkuk was a prophet and he was also the chief of music, the chief director of music. So I was like, well, I didn't take on this name in vain and it did not come directly from me, but it was given to me from the Lord. And Habakkuk means to embrace and to encourage and that's my personality in a nutshell. I love encouraging people and I love embracing people with love. Yes, one of the minor prophets. And uh, yes, you just mentioned, you know, 
you're there to um you know embrace people through your music as i always say music is the healing force of the world it brings people together and soothe the soul so just like you said you know if you're like depressed and and things like that you know every time when my mom comes home from work she'll just put on a gloria lynn album just to soothe that day and uh you know i, I saw a couple of gloria lynn albums you know growing up you know when we were moved around the bronx a lot and i would see some of her lps and you know because most of the time my late mother never takes care of her lps she just let it sit on that rack and by the time she plays it, you know, you hear that little crackling sound, you know, not taking care of it, all dusty and, and things like that. But I've gotten into that, you know, it's so like one Sunday afternoon, you know, she was just playing some Gloria and I just gotten into it, you know, all, all everything. And she had a couple of albums and, and things like that. Now, what was your first experience traveling while you was on tour? Well, my first experience traveling was very, very good. It was exciting. And I tell you, a lot of people are surprised when I tell them this as well, that my very first tour in Italy, I actually was, uh, I toured with a gospel group and where I was the lead vocalist for the gospel group, and we were called the Burning Bush. And uh, I sang with them for about five years, and we opened up for Dee Dee Bridgewater uh, in Bordighera on the front line, uh, on the borderline of France. And we were there for three weeks, a three-week tour, and it was so exciting. When I say it was exciting, the experience was great. The treatment was um, very good. We didn't have to uh, worry about anything. The food was wonderful. We had, you know, we were chauffeured around and um, our hotel and everything was just, everything was taken care of. And, you know, getting to also sometimes travel on the train and hop on the train system there in Europe. It's so great because you can get anywhere you want to get to in Europe on the train. You just hop on that train and you'll find a train that's going to take you to France, to Switzerland, to Italy, anywhere you want to go. And it was absolutely a wonderful, wonderful experience. And that's why. I wanted to go back. Um, and like I said, it was just really, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, um, who were your musical influences that, you know, got you into performing jazz? Who were some of your musical influences? My musical influences were Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, definitely Billie Holiday. Also, I mentioned earlier, Carmen Lundy. She is a phenomenal jazz artist and vocalist, and she plays every instrument and just absolutely outstanding. I love Carmen Lundy's music, and I love her. And I also love uh, 
Cassandra Wilson, and also Nancy Wilson, another amazing uh, vocalist that I used to listen to quite a bit. And when it comes to, because I my voice is, is jazz, soul, blues, and I loved listening to Shaka Khan. And Shaka Khan, whether people know it or not, is an incredible jazz vocalist as well. And um, she has some really good jazz music out there um, as well that probably a lot of people don't know about. But she was an incredible, she's also an incredible jazz vocalist. And so her and um, I also listened a lot to Mahalia Jackson, you know, and those type of artists to me were these type of artists, I guess they're very, very musical. They are very, um, not only do they sing, but they, they're wrapped into the music completely, you know, um, not just with their voice, but they also write, they, they collaborate, they do, they, they can play instruments and how they also arrange different songs and textures vocal textures, uh, those are the type of things that really interested me is uh, the vocal textures and the sounds that you can make with your voice. <laughs> yes, I'm glad I really did. And, I, and, I, and you mentioned Shaka Khan, so I didn't know that Shaka Khan was, you know, into jazz. The only Shaka that I knew growing up was she was a member of Rufus back in the early 70s from its inception. And, you know, and then after when she left, she went on solo and, and things like that. So that was the only Shaka that, that I knew growing up when she was in the group Rufus. So that's... that's... Well, I would love to encourage you <laughs> to look her up and... Uh, on YouTube or on on the internet on Google and Google her as a jazz vocalist and you'll be able to find uh, some jazz songs that she recorded and like I said you will be literally blown away and astounded she's absolutely a phenomenal yes indeed now um, talk about the being a vocalist and educator and radio host of Habaka Music. Um, share with the audience about that. Okay, yes. Well, I, um, while living overseas, I lived over uh, in Italy for 24 years. And while living over there, I had the opportunity to uh, teach voice in the school system there for 10 years and also uh, privately, which I still do today. I do private uh, voice lessons and vocal coaching. And I also am known uh, throughout Europe for also doing a lot of uh, seminars and uh, master classes as well. And I found there again, it was not something I was looking for, but it was something that was thrust upon me, and I was able to uh, step into those shoes 
And I found out when I did that, that how much I actually loved uh, teaching. And I love teaching. I love teaching voice. And, you know, everyone has their own particular style. Everyone has their own. Every teacher has their own particular style in teaching. And so I also uh, I also reiterate that I am not just a vocal teacher, but I am a vocal coach as well. And I always tell people that um, it doesn't matter how great of a vocalist you are. We all need a vocal coach. And that enables you to stay on track with your voice and keeping it healthy, keeping your voice, um, learning new things, because we also learn new things every day about our voices. And you can sing a song 50 times, and 50 times you can sing a phrase differently that you never did it like that before. And it can surprise you, and you'll be like, oh, wow, I've never sang it like that before. I've never did that type of riff before, but it's the emotion in the moment, the feeling in that moment that gives you that freedom to be able to be flexible with your voice and where you come out with all these nuances of uh, exploring and finding yourself as a vocalist as well. So we're always learning. We never stop learning. And I always tell my students, you know, don't ever think that you have gotten to a point where you know everything because we never know everything. We're always learning. Now, here's another question I wanted to ask you. Is Habaka music a radio show or a podcast? Habaka music is actually just the name of my company, Habaka Music. And so I do have a podcast and I call it Coffee Break with Habaka. And on my podcast, Coffee Break with Habaka, I talk about a lot of different things. I talk about music. I talk about the industry. I talk about uh, maybe different vocalists that I like or explain certain things that they're doing with their voices. I also talk about how you can help your favorite artists because there are so many ways that uh, a person may say, well, I, you know, I can't buy, I can't buy t-shirts or I can't do this. And, but there are always so many different ways that you can help your favorite artists just from sharing their music or giving them a review um, and so, you know, there are so many different ways. And so I do a podcast about that. And also, um, you may not know this also, I write a monthly article each month on vocal health tips. And that is in the promoter magazine out of North Carolina. And that you can find that link on my link tree. So if you would allow me, I would love to give the address to my link tree. And my link tree actually lists all of the things that I'm doing. It has my radio show link there. It has my podcast link. It has the uh, magazine for uh, vocal tips. 
And it also has a link for uh, anyone interested in vocal coaching or a master class uh, or anything of that sort. So it would be Linktree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Habaka. And that's where you can go and you can get it to my website. You can find me in a lot of different places. <laughs> Yes, well, thank you for the info and everything. And we're going to let the audience know at the end of this episode on where they can find you. Okay, we're going to take another quick break and we'll come right back and we'll chat with more with my paternal cousin, Constance Foster, better known as Habaka. You're listening to the Black Soul Music Experience. Welcome back to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. And I'm here with my special guest, my paternal cousin representing the Wilson Dix family, Miss Constance Foster, better known as Habaka. So in the next question I was going to ask you, uh, while you had your own radio program, did you get to interview any guess, whether it's a major recording artist or independent artist? Well, that's a very good question. I actually have interviewed a few uh, independent artists, and I really had not gotten around to interviewing any major artists at the time, but I normally would interview the artist via Zoom, and then I would download it into my podcast as well, and then I would also integrate it into my radio show. But um, since the pandemic came along, I really have not uh, resumed uh interviewing anyone yet but i do have a couple of people it's, it's funny you mentioned that because i do have a couple of people on my list uh that i have wanted to reach out to uh, that i actually have reached out to 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 interview them now um i don't i've been also you know with i uh, with all of the technology we have today and everything, I'm just kind of playing around because I would love to also be able to interview where, you know, you can actually see the artist as well, maybe via Zoom or something like that, which I'm still working on that part of it, the technical part. However, the interviews that I have done have all been vocal and they were really good interviews. Um, there's, you know, I was, when I started doing radio, that's when I really, really found out that there are just really uh, so many incredible independent artists out there, myself included, and I, which I should not have found that surprising because I myself am an independent artist. But there are really a lot of independent artists out there who are making their mark in the music uh, world and the music industry. And so there's a lot of work to be done. I tell you that. <laughs> and I do have some people on my radar. 
Now, here's the next question I wanted to ask you. Now, living or dead, which performer did you want to meet in person or which performer did you want to interview on your radio show? Another great question. Well, I really wanted to, I, or should I say, I really would like to interview Shaka Khan because she's like my, she was my very first mentor for me. Like I said, um, I've had a lot of favorite vocalists, but I really love Shaka Khan. I listen to her quite a bit. And I would love to interview Carmen Lundy and Cassandra Wilson. So those three right there for me would just be the creme de la creme, as they say. I would be so excited if I was given the opportunity to be able to interview them. And actually, I am believing that I will be able to interview them. Okay. Now, as always, I always ask my guests, and we're going to bring you something and bring you to you. Here is my Black Soul Music Experience Top 10 Black Artist of All Time. Are you ready, Connie? I am ready. Okay. Now, here in my hand, I have the top 10 black artists. So get ready to name all your favorites. Now, who should be at number 10? Mm. The top 10 black artists. So number 10, maybe uh, Rita Frank. No. Now, Rita Franklin, now top 10, no. Uh, number 10, no. Oh, my goodness. Tina Marie. I'll say Tina Marie. All right. Tina Marie, number 10. Tina Marie. Now, when I first heard this artist on 107.5 WBLS-FM in the NYC, uh, we was in the car. We thought this lady was black. But when I first saw when I first saw the episode on Soul Train aired on Saturday on my birthday, October eighteenth, nineteen eighty, we found out that she was white, and even my late mother didn't even know that she was white. But but she got soul. She's white on the outside, black on the inside. She got soul. So we were shocked to find out. I named her, even though I know she's not black, but you know what? She may have some black in her lineage. Yes. Yeah, I just never, ever, ever knew. She got soul, though. She got plenty of soul. Yes, indeed. Rest in peace to the ivory queen of soul, Miss Tina Marie. Now, who should be at number nine? Number nine. Oh, my goodness. Number nine. Well, you know what? I'm going to say... Uh, how about... Uh, I was going to say... Angela Wimbush. 
but number nine, I am going to say Thelma Houston. Ah, Thelma Houston. Now, we haven't heard from her in the while. When she came on the scene back in the spring of 1977, she did the remake of Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes featuring Teddy Pendergrass, Don't Leave Me This Way. And yes, and, and guess what? The song went to number one on Billboard's Hot 100 Pop Singles charts back in the spring of 77 and number one on Billboard's Soul charts back in February of 1977. And she won a Grammy for that song, but you didn't see it on the telecast. But um, she won it. So that was one of her number one hits. And then she came back in 1984 and she did a song called you used to hold me so tight and that was and that was produced by jimmy jam and terry lewis and she and she was a guest appearance on an episode of simon and simon aired on cbs so i was watching the reruns on cozy tv i said wait a minute ain't that Thelma houston and she was singing that song on that episode so I was like, wow, you know, we don't hear that much from Thelma Houston that much. And ladies and gentlemen, Thelma Houston is not related to Whitney or Sissy or Dionne Warwick. So, you know, I look at the book called Soul from A to Z. So we just let the audience know they are not related. It's just like my last name, Wilson. I'm not related to Damon Wilson or Flip Wilson or Mookie Wilson, or Nancy Wilson, or the other singers that are white, and Nancy Wilson from the group Heart. So there's always like the last name and things like that. So as I said, you know, Thelma Houston didn't make that much hits, but you know, we just gotta give a shout out to her. All right, who should be at number eight? Number eight. I'm going to say Mavis Staples. Yes, Mavis Staples of the Staples Singers. Now, they've been around for so many years. When I first heard the song Respect Yourself and, you know, Pop Staples was on the vocals with the guitar and then Mavis closes it out. So Mavis delivers. So when I first heard their songs, when they were with Stax back in the 70s, they were known for bringing us message music. So yes, they were known back then as the gospel family, but you need something during the work week. So they had a little message music throughout the week. So I remember a song that was in the movie called The Landlord back in 1970. The name of the song was called God bless the children. And I looked for it on stacks. So I, I found the song and I was looking at the movie on YouTube because I remember growing up with my mom and her boyfriend at the time from Chicago. We went to this movie house and we lived on Harrison Avenue in the West Bronx. And we would walk down to the art movie house on West Tremont Avenue between Jerome and Davidson Avenue. We would go and you know, go to the movie house. We'd be there all day. We saw the movie, The Landlord. 
and it had an all-star cast with Bo Bridges and Lou Gossett and uh, Diana Sands and Pearl Bailey and Lee Grant. And I heard that song. And when they had it, you know, aired on TV, you know, now I remember the song. And now I found the song on iTunes. So I said, wow, now I got a chance to hear that song very much. So Mavis Staples, she's up there. They're inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the class of 1999. As I said, they were with Stax back then until Stax closed its doors. And then they hooked up with Curtis Mayfield with some few hits back then. So Mavis Staples and all the Staples family, they have brought us contributions to gospel and message music and soul music as well. So Mavis Staples at number eight. Now, who should be at number seven? Mary J. Blige. Oh, the queen of hip-hop soul, Mary J. Blige. And, and she made her debut back in 1992. And the only thing that I didn't know, I was watching VH1's Behind the Music, and she's from the Boogie Down Bronx, New York. So, you know, somewhere down the line, I said, I wish I would interview Mary J. Blige. Because like me, I moved around the Bronx a lot because I'm originally from Harlem, the village of Harlem. And then after when my parents were divorced, I was moved to the Bronx. So I've been moved around the Bronx a lot. And just like Mary J. Blige, she been moved around the Bronx and one time lived up in Yonkers and had moved down to Savannah, Georgia and came back home to New York. So I'm just like her. So when you hear her songs, you know, it's just kind of like she's like so bluesy and she brings that grit. So, you know. Yes. She's got soul. She's got soul. Yes. That's that's big up to Mary J. Blige. Now, uh, I'm up to number six, correct? Yes. All right. Who should be at number six? At number six. Uh, I've got to put, uh, well, you know, I got to put Patty LaBelle in there. Patty LaBelle. Yes. That's the one and only Patty LaBelle. You know, the first time I saw Patty LaBelle was at the Hampton Jazz Festival in 2002. And I was with my church members. We went down there in June in 2002 at the Hampton Coliseum. In Hampton, Virginia, I saw Patti LaBelle for the first time. And the only thing we, we were just concerned about, you know, when she gets that fire in her, she'll be flipping her shoes off and hitting some plus. <laughs> That's what she best remembered for. Hitting the head with one of them shoes. <laughs> yeah, she be best remembered for that. So we were sitting all the way up in the upper upper section. So we were just concerned. I was saying, I want to get that shoe from Patty. You say, hey, mom. I got the shoe from Patty. <laughs> from Miss Patty LaBelle. Yes, yes, yes. Now, we're up to the top five. Who should be at number five? Phyllis Hyman. Yes, the late Phyllis Hyman. Um, she's best remembered for her songs, You Know How to Love Me, and the remake of the stylistics, Betcha by Golly Wow, along with Norman Connors on the drums. So, that was one of the very first songs I sang, Betcha by Golly Wow. Yes, and a wonderful, 
vocalist and you know she was gone too soon but she leaves behind some of her many songs you know whether it's duets or other songs and there are some songs that you know weren't top 10 hits but they were top 10 you know on billboards soul as well as jazz so yes so the one and only phyllis hyman yes she had crossed over you know soul and and jazz and 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 she was on the disco scene too but not as much you know promotion you know when she was with arista before that she was with buddha and then to arista didn't get that much record promotion out there as they should but phyllis you got your props rest in peace to miss phyllis hyman Okay, who should be at number four? Roberta Flack. Yes, Roberta Flack, the one and only Roberta Flack. When my mom got a couple of Roberta Flack albums, the first album that I saw was First Take. And when I first listened to the song, and the first song that I heard was, was the first time ever I saw your face. And that was originally recorded back in 1969. But then when they had to re-release the song again, it became number one in 1972. But the only thing that I didn't know that that song was used in the 1971 movie, Play Misty for Me from Universal Pictures that starred Clint Eastwood and Jessica Walter who played the the psycho killer and 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 yes and we there, there were some familiar faces in that movie um you know donna mills who later became better known as the bad girl abby cunningham of knott's landing and clarice taylor who played clip huxtable's mom on the cosby show and james mcechin who played detective tenafly in the drama series tenafly and it was filmed entirely on location at the Mont- uh the monterey jazz festival so you'll get a chance to see some exposure and everything and as i mentioned um the song from her brother black went to number one and i i remember those commercials from back in the day when you had ktel and ronco and adam eight they were had some of the songs and i was like oh i see that song and you know now i know that song was used in the movie so yes roberta flack the one and only roberta flack now we're up to number three who should be at number three? Oh my goodness it's getting rough it's getting rough uh well i'm gonna have to go with gladys knight ah uh, gladys knight and the pips one and only yes they call her the empress of soul so when i hear gladys knight when she was with motown back in the 70s before they switched over to buddha records and got you know international fame with their number one hit midnight train to georgia and so many other hits and then in the 80s they switched over to cbs records with more hits in the 80s and then moved to mca universal in the mid the mid late 80s so they got into the hip-hop r&b world so they were keeping up with the times and yes they were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame for the class of 1996. so yes the one and only 
Gladys Knight and the Pips. They, you know, Gladys Knight is still around, still performing, and things like that. That's right. You still sound great. Now, who should be at number two? Ooh, Marlena Shaw. Yes, Marlena Shaw. So for those of our listeners that may not know, Marlena Shaw had did some few songs, but not as commercialized. But I remember when 98.7 KISS FM in New York City had changed the format to old school and today's R&B. They were playing the song that says, Go Away, Little Boy. And I was like, oh, I didn't know who was singing the song. They just, you know, like, you know, talk and they would segue into the song. And then I found out it was Marlena Shaw. So I went down to the village and I picked up an LP called Sweet Beginnings. And I found that song. So I was playing it. So it was really nice that I got a chance to look for it. Because, you know, in the village, you'll see some uh, old LPs, you know, whether they're in good condition or things like that. But it was worth it. So... So it was worth it. So hopefully I'll find some more songs from Alina Shaw on the iTunes. And now, who should be at number one? Oh, my goodness. We need more. We need more. <laughs> I've got to do an eeny, meeny, miny, mo here. Um... At number one, oh my goodness, girl. Well, you know what? I'm still going to have to go with the Queen of Soul, Miss Aretha Franklin. Yes, the Queen of Soul, the late Aretha Franklin. Yep, my late mother had some Aretha Franklin LPs when she was on Atlantic Records for her first LP. I Never Loved the Man the Way I Loved You with her number one hit, Respect. It was number one on Billboard's Hot 100 pop charts as well as the Soul Singles charts. And that came out during the time of the Civil Rights Movement when, you know, ladies needed to get their props. And, you know, in case to our listeners that may not know, um, her father, the Reverend C.L. Franklin, um, who was a minister when Aretha and her father and her siblings had moved from Memphis, Tennessee to Detroit, Michigan, where he had preached at the uh, New Bethel Baptist Church in Detroit. And yes, Aretha was singing, you know, most of the songs were, were cover songs. And one of the songs that I knew that I didn't know, she did a remake of Stevie Wonder's Until You Come Back to Me. Now, at first, growing up, yes, because at first, I didn't know there was a remake. So when I was listening to CBS FM here in the NYC, they played the original one from Stevie Wonder, and then they played the one from Aretha. So like Aretha, she would do some new songs, and then she would do some remakes and things like that. But when I bought the gospel album, Amazing Grace, and also her other album, One Lord, One Faith, One Baptism. You know, it, it everything. She never forgotten her roots. So never forgotten her roots. that's right. Yeah, and they won a, a Grammy Award. 
you know, for best gospel album. And also Aretha had won 15 Grammys and a few American Music Award um, awards. And yes, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the class of 1987. Now, I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum back in 2018 in Cleveland, Ohio. And let me tell you, I was there for hours. Everybody, because I was mentioning to the Wilson Dix family in 2010, I said, yo, let's check out the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum. I tell them everybody is there. You got Aretha is there. You know, the Jackson Five is there. Marvin Gaye is there. Otis is there. Chuck Berry, James Brown, Mahalia Jackson is there. And some of hip hop is there. And Miles Davis is there. So I put that in there. And then all of a sudden, we got to go to South Carolina. <laughs> hey, we had to go to South Carolina. So yeah, I got to rotate and things like that. But it was on my bucket list. So it was on my bucket list. So I went there for 2018, checked it out. I was there for hours nonstop. And then I went back there again in 2021 in June because they were doing um, Black Music Month exhibit, you know, in response to Black Lives Matter, what took place three years ago. And they also had the Super Bowl exhibit, all musicians that performed at the Super Bowl. And it was also Pride Month because there, there are some singers, you know, I'll, I'll give you a name. When the late Frankie Crocker of 107.5 WBLS in New York City, he played everything. He didn't care if it was white, black, Latino, Asian, Caribbean, Native American, or LGBTQ. He knew that music was music that had rhythm that brings people together. And that's what Frankie Crocker did. You know, we didn't, we didn't question anything. He just played it nonstop played the music that's what he did so those are our top 10 r&b black artists of all time well connie is a pleasure having you here on my black soul music experience podcast thank you so much for taking the time out to be with me and share one of your memories and sharing it with our audiences that some that may not know not only I interview some of the independent artists, but also I get a chance to interview some of my family who are in the music business. Yes. What an honor for me to be a part and be interviewed by you as well. And as you said, mainly also because we are family and it's definitely an honor. And I appreciate and thank you for having me on your podcast. You welcome. Now, um tell the audience where can we find you? Um you mentioned earlier about everything, but let's mention it again to all of our audiences that may not know. Um tell us where we can find you for um anything whether it's your own show or any other events. Okay. Well, I guess I will just give my web site address, which they can go to uh, www.habaka, H-A, B as in boy, A-K-A, 
kfj.com. And uh, you can find me right there. Sign up for the newsletter. And you'll definitely, if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll definitely know exactly what's going on with me. Okay. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Please support my cousin and look for her website. It's www.habakakfj.com. And make sure you tune in and she will tell you, you know, all the good things that will have in store for us, for our audience. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear this interview, please subscribe by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash subscribe. And please support my podcast. Visit anchor.fm slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash support. And please pass it on. Thank you for joining me as I close out this edition of the Black Soul Music Experience. Well, that's about it for this edition of the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. Thank you for joining me, and please tune in next week for an all-new episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash subscribe. And please support my podcast by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash support. You can also leave your message by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash messages. And please leave your feedbacks and your comments and your replies by going to my Facebook homepage. Go to facebook.com slash the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast. And you can also tweet me on Twitter at Sam Wilson Jr. 66. As always, partying, remember this. Reach for the top and your dreams will come true and it can happen to you. From all of us, take care. God bless. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. And please be safe.